the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, December the 21st, 2022, in the year of our Lord. There are 10 days left in the year. Winter begins at 4.48 p.m. Eastern Time today. That means the days start getting longer. Well, the days don't start getting longer, per se, per minute or hour, but daylight begins to return. Going forward until next June, every day is going to get a little bit longer, a little bit more light. I love the light. I always feel better when the days are getting longer rather than when they're getting shorter. That's just a side personal. You may not agree, but anyway, today is the beginning of the sunrise a little earlier every day. On December 21st, 1864, during the Civil War, Union forces led by Major General William Sherman, I mentioned that he was doing this yesterday. It was a significant, significant uh, episode in history. But they concluded their march to the sea as they captured Savannah, Georgia. This was, of course, during the Civil War. That was, um, I've mentioned this before, but if you've traveled and, or if some of you, I know on the East Coast listen to this program, if you live in the Atlanta area, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, there, you're struck by the fact that there are not very many, hardly any at all, historic buildings there. And it's because of this Sherman's march to the sea. He literally uh, destroyed every building he could in Atlanta and completed this, as history calls it, march to the sea in Savannah, Georgia. That concluded today in 1864. Today in 1620, pilgrims aboard the Mayflower went ashore for the first time at present-day Plymouth, Massachusetts. The first thing they did on this continent was pray. And then they organized. And they created some rules by which they agreed to live by. And the rest is history. Today in 1891, the first basketball game, it was devised by James Naismith. It was uh, played at the International YMCA Training School in Springfield, Massachusetts. The final score, basketball, the final score of the experimental game was one to nothing. Never have seen a basketball game with that score, but I'm sure much has changed since today in 1891, but it started today. Today in 1913, the first newspaper crossword puzzle, billed as Word Cross Puzzle, was published in the New York World. Today in 1914, the U.S. government began requiring passport applicants to provide photographs of themselves. That's not fair, is it? We can't do any of that for election time, so how would they be able to require a passport application to provide a photograph? Things have changed, not for the better, because of the influence of secular progressives 
on our culture. Today, 1945, U.S. Army General George Patton, he was 60 years old. He died in Heidelberg, Germany. It was 12 days after he was seriously injured in an automobile accident. Today, in 1988, 270 people were killed when a terrorist bomb exploded aboard a Pan Am Boeing 747 over Lockerbie, Scotland. Sent wreckage crashing to the ground all over the countryside. It was horrific. Today, in 1995, the city of Bethlehem passed from from the Israeli control to Palestinian control. Today, in 2020, the Vatican declared it, quote, morally acceptable for Roman Catholics to receive COVID-19 vaccines based on research that used fetal tissue for abortions. Five years ago today, the U.N. General Assembly voted overwhelmingly to denounce President Donald Trump's recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Of course they would do that. And one year ago today, figures released by the U.S. Census Bureau showed that U.S. population growth dipped to its lowest rate since the nation's founding. If you look into that report, and I have, the bottom line is that we are simply not reproducing ourselves in America. We're not pro-family as we once were. That's a fact, and this is evidence of that. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, the prophet Isaiah wrote. And through the waters, on behalf of God. And though the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. We have a lot of bad things, destructive things going on around us in our culture today, but as we walk through the fire, even as the three Hebrew children walk through the fire, God is with us. And these things, the floods, the fires, the overwhelming circumstances, all of the things that come against us to challenge us and destroy us as individuals, God walks with us through those times. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's his promise. And we need to remind ourselves of that from time to time, don't we? I saw an interesting uh, report that came out this morning just about an hour ago. In fact, a couple of them I wanted to mention to you today. Uh, this one is, is uh, it's an industry report, but it's kind of interesting. I was kind of, I found some joy in this. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I, I do. Um, it's a, it's from a, a world, uh, journal on, on, uh, the media. It's not a, a Christian thing, but it's, a, it, it, it relates. Um, the report says more than $500 billion has been wiped off the market value of the world's biggest media companies this year as investors soured on streaming revolution, triggering historic share price declines for broadcasting and entertainment groups. Okay, so why would I feel good about that? Well, I'll tell you why. Uh, They go on to say that intensifying uh, competition and rising costs have combined with consumer consumer belt tightening and an advertising slowdown to spark an industry-wide decline. That's in the media. That's broadcast, media, and print 
media and motion picture media. Um, my take on this, and it goes on, it says it's been a perfect, there's one guy, this Michael Nathanson. I, I don't, never heard of him, but I guess he's well known in media analyzing. And um, anyway, he said, it's been a perfect storm of bad news. He said, I've been covering this, this, this sector a long time, and I've never seen such a bad collection of data points before talking about the value of the media companies. Well, I think, personally, I'm not an analyst. I'm just a, an observer, just a pilgrim passing through. But I will tell you, I think that the media has gotten so full of themselves that they thought they could do anything and not have any real consequences. The thing that concerns me most that they've done, and I talk about it often on this program, is that they have turned news into indoctrination. They're telling you bits and pieces of what's really going on in the world out here without telling you the whole story. And people are getting sick of it, sick and tired of it, and subscriptions to these newspapers are in steep decline and have been. I think that's perhaps a greater reason for some of the decline in value of these companies because they're losing their 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 base. Uh, if, when newspapers lose subs- subscriptions, they've been a subscription-based industry for years, and then, of course, the Internet came along and, and took that away and changed a lot of things. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that their decisions to promote far-left progressive, so-called progressive causes is the reason, but I do think it's part of it. I, I really do. Uh, because, I mean, it, Walt Disney shares is down 45%, this report says. And they're, of course, real concerned about it. And they're headed for their biggest annual fall since at least 1974, this year of 2022. Disney shares, well, I mean, we've talked, how many times have we talked about that on this program? Disney has gone out, they've, they've stuck their finger in the eye of 60 million evangelicals or 50 million evangelicals, whatever, in, in the nation, people who are family-oriented, people who are taking their kids to, quote, Disneyland or Disney World or whatever, and they've st- stuck their finger in their eye and, and told them they didn't care about their family values. And they have gone out and taken positions, I mean, as far as political positions, to get laws passed or to defeat laws that are supportive of families. So now all of a sudden they're scurrying around in their, you know, penthouse offices and they're saying, wow, you know, I've never seen anything like this. It's worse, worse thing since 1974. Well, I think if they would just take a step back and look at maybe look at who their customers really are. I mean, people like you and me, kind of average people out here. I'm not going to go to Disneyland and spend 500 bucks to be indoctrinated with rainbow flags hanging over my head while I'm walking through there. I mean, I'm not boycotting. I'm just not going there till they straighten up and get over it. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I really do. But anyway, this is coming out. Paramount Global has dropped 42% in value this year. Netflix has dropped 52%. Warner Brothers uh, Discovery has tumbled 63% since its creation this year by the combination of Discovery and AT&T's Warner Media. There's a lot more there, but and I know that probably most of you listening to the program today, certainly myself included, do not own a bunch of stock in these companies. Maybe you do, but most of us don't. I, I don't own any in the company, so it's not going to affect me in that way personally. But 
I, I'm sort of glad to see this happening because maybe in, in their search for answers to this, and they will search because a lot of people have a lot of money invested in these companies, and they'll they'll get real for a while. I hope it occurs to them that maybe their programming and maybe their content that they're producing is part of their problem. I wish I could speak to them for a couple of minutes. I would just tell them what the average guy out here thinks, but they're not probably interested in that. But I found that very interesting. I thought you might find it interesting as well. There's another uh, report or a survey out this morning, and that was about an hour ago, um, maybe a couple of hours ago now. Gallup uh, published this. And they are the the headline on this is that U.S. childhood church going habits fade in adulthood. It's, they found it's, it's a fairly lengthy study. I I went through it this morning, so I'll give you a couple of the highlights. For it, thirty one percent attend services regularly or nearly uh, weekly. They said that sixty seven percent did so as a child. So the person that attended church as a kid, sixty seven percent of kids. Say the, uh, people, adults say they attended church as a kid, and 31% of them say, say the same group says that they do so now. So obviously there's been a, a falling off of going to church, and they're not living as they were raised to go to church. One of the, one of the problems with this, and that's why I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, is that Gallup is good, and they, they've been doing this for a long time, but they lump too many things into a, a single uh identifier and they do this often and i i don't not sure why they do it i mean they they're pretty smart people but but they they should make some differentiation in a poll like this between christians at least christians catholic and protestant and muslims and hindu and whatever uh, jewish and so on but they don't they lump everybody together that has any religious inclination or 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 none at all, and they lump them together in their numbers. So it's a little bit skewed. It's not really representative of biblical Christians or evangelicals or, you know, even, you know, just generally Protestant Christians or Catholic Christians or whatever. But they found that that um, more than a third of Americans had fallen away from attending religious services regularly in their lifetime, a third. 31% report attending church, synagogue, mosque, or temple weekly or nearly weekly today, whereas 67% say they attended that frequently when growing up. Two-thirds also report that, the, to the best of their knowledge, their parents attended weekly or nearly weekly in their youth, suggesting, Gallup says, and I would agree, the changes in church attendance have occurred within the current generation of parents and children. I believe it has. There's been a steep decline as there is value in the media, news and entertainment for the reasons we we just said. I think the changes in church attendance is somewhat related to that. We haven't made that important. The, this is the result of us overdosing on this separation of church and state nonsense that isn't constitutional. We've gone to the extreme limits of that just to driven by activists and we have stood by and allowed them to do that under the guise of well we got a the separation clause and the establishment clause and all this kind of thing the church and the state was not to be separated it was it was 
co-equal in the sense of influence in the nation. In fact, the church led the nation for the first 150 years of our founding. From the pulpits, people were guided in moral issues. And now the pulpits have become weak and silent on the most important critical issues of our times. I think that is one of the reasons that this generation, and Gallup is showing here in their numbers, that the changes in church attendance have occurred within the current generation of parents and children. Those are their words, not mine, based on their research. So we have weak pulpits. We have spiritual apathy. People are not challenged spiritually. We've tried to become kind of lifestyle evangelists. And in doing so, we have become them. We have become conformed to the world. And the world listens to our message or goes to a church. And I'm talking about primarily Protestantism, but Christianity, Protestant, Catholic. They go to our church and too many times, not always, but in too many cases, they don't see any difference between that and some club they belong to in their neighborhood or in their town. They don't see any difference. There's no striking contrast. They go to church and, well, I'd rather play golf on Sunday morning or or sleep in or whatever. And there's this apathy in the culture today, even though there's all these things going on around it. I mean, horrible things that are happening, and we're all trying to keep our balance. But they don't see religion or Christianity as the answer. <clears throat> they see it as just another thing that they have to do, so they decide not to do it. <clears throat> and the reason that they see it that way is because we have not we have not brought the message that is life-changing and culture-changing to the pulpit. That's the problem, in my view. And if we would stand up in the pulpit and say something that's eternally impacting, sure, some people would get upset. Of course they would. They don't want to hear the truth. They want to live in the twilight or the darkness of the culture of their lives. They don't want to hear that. But there are many people who would hear it and receive it, and the culture would be changed if we would stand up in the pulpits and tell the truth, God's truth, not our truth, not lifestyle evangelism like, well, you and I are just alike, man. We just, we just, we're buds, you know, we're, the pastors try to become hipsters sometimes, and I mean, they're, they're, they're more into style than substance. That's the problem. And I say it not with any joy. I say it with a broken heart. That's the problem. And now we're seeing it in Gallup. I don't th- know if Gallup fully understands, you know, what they have found. But I think believers probably do. But the bottom line, they say, on this survey, and again, you'll, be, you'll see this in the news. It, it was just released a couple of hours ago. But they say the bottom line at the end of their survey and their report, and it is pretty lengthy, they say this Christmas the U.S. remains a religious nation with about 80% having a religious affiliation. In other words, they consider themselves something, even though they don't practice it, including about 7 in 10 who affiliate with the Christian faith. So they found about 70% say, yeah, I affiliate with Christian faith. However, they say the U.S. is clearly a less religious nation now than it's been in the past. Given steep declines over the past two decades in religious identification, church membership, and church attendance. And while a religious upbringing is associated with regular church attendance in adulthood, 
The majority of those who say they went to church frequently as children attend infrequently, if at all, as adults. Although it's possible, they say, that those who were once religious or who never were will be inspired to find religion in the future, relatively few non-religious Americans say there is a possibility of their doing so. And again, it comes back to the message from the pulpit. Because we're not challenging them with the truth. The truth will set you free. Relational conversation from the pulpit will not. It might make people feel good about themselves, sort of, but it will not set them free. It will not save them from an eternity without God in hell. I mean, it won't bring life. It brings, ultimately, death. That's the problem. Gallup says still finding faith later in life that didn't exist before is possible. 16% of U.S. adults today say they seldom or never attended church as children, attend every week or almost every week now. So it's all based on church attendance with them because I, I, don't, I don't know what they believe, that people at Gallup, but they've been doing this a long time and they have their ways of doing it. But it does show that there is a lack of interest. There is an apathy in America today, and that's, I think, at the root of most of the problems that we see in our culture I wanted to leave you with some good news today, and I'll tell you what it is. It, it, I think it's really good news. It gave me a more than an ounce of joy when I read this. I've been following it. You may know who Kirk Cameron is. He's an actor. He's pretty famous as a younger actor, and he's very, very committed to the Lord, very outspoken. He's taken a lot of hits in Hollywood over his open faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm pretty slow to ever really talk publicly about some of these guys they come out and they make you know a kind of a profession of faith well kanye west think of kanye west i mean he's a good example of of that they come out and they make kind of a confession or profession of faith in jesus christ and then they just go off the rails and they do all kinds of stupid things that are not honoring of god or anyone else except the the left who cheers them on but anyway kirk Hamler is not one of them he has a record of authenticity, and he's a he's a really good guy. I don't know him, but he's a really good guy, and I've watched him. And the fruit of his life is excellent. So anyway, earlier this month, more than 50 public libraries rejected an offer. He writes books and stuff. He's, he's outstanding. He's very talented. And he likes kids. He and his wife have a bunch of kids. I mean, they've got three, and I think they've adopted three or something like that. But anyway, he wrote this new uh, uh, book. It's a it's a uh, children's book, and so he decided his publishing company and and he himself decided that they would like to present this book in a uh, in libraries, public libraries across the country, because other people do that, including these drag queens who do it regularly now, and so. Kirk Cameron, probably with a smile, and his publishing company started contact, uh, contacting public libraries across the country. And they said they would like to book him. I mean, they're a major publishing company, and they wanted to book him to do a reading for kids who ever wanted to come and uh, so on. Well, 201, every one of those 50 public libraries all across the country, from San Diego to New York, 
They said, no, they, they couldn't do that. And uh, they had all kinds of reasons. I want to share just a bit of it with you. It's kind of interesting. Fox News reported on it. They said with a new child's book out that celebrates family, faith, and biblical wisdom, actor, writer, producer Kirk Cameron uh, cannot reach scores of American children or their families in many U.S. cities via the public library system because over 50 public libraries have either outright rejected him or not responded to the requests on his behalf. A story hour program for kids and parents connected to the new book release released is an activity that many libraries typically present to their patrons and communities, but not this one. Many of the same libraries that won't give Cameron a slot, however, Fox says this, are actively offering drag queen story hours or similar programs for kids and young people, according to Cameron's book publisher. Well, obviously, they're right. I mean, that is happening. Some library programs promote gender fluidity, inclusion, diversity. Others offer name change clinics for older teens and adults who want to alter their official paperwork for gender identity reasons. All this stuff's going on in the public, public libraries. It's kind of a community gathering spot. I've written about it. I've I've talked about it on this program. Well, anyway, one of the public libraries, I mean, they either ignored him or they said no. And they, it, their responses were interesting. One in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, said, contacted, responded to the pub- publishing company, and they told the, the publisher by phone, they said, no, we will, we will pass on having you run a program in our space. We are a very queer-friendly library. Our messaging does not align. <laughs> this this person in the library said, we have two different messages. I thought these were supposed to be public libraries because they're publicly funded. Well, they're publicly funded, but they're not necessarily for the public. It's only for certain of the public. When the publisher asked the library official about filling out the proper form to apply for a story, our slot, this individual replied and said, you can fill out the form to reserve your space to run the program in our space, but we won't run your program. So do whatever you want. Fill out the form, but we're still not going to do it. I mean, and that was pretty much the way it was across, around the country. So anyway, after they had talked to so many different libraries and gotten basically the same answer, all of a sudden things begin to change. Did they have a change of heart? No, they had a change of mind. And the change of mind was helped along by Cameron's publishing company and their lawyers. <laughs> they got back around to these 50 libraries, and they said to them, we are going to consider taking legal action against you if you don't give our author the same rights that you give all the other authors, including the drag queens. Well, <laughs> the, the sun has risen. The light came on, and they said, well, we think we could fit him in, and so on. Well, anyway, that is what's happening, and it just started happening just in the last couple of days. So now libraries have changed their mind after they had some bit of a wake-up call regarding some kind of legal action. So <laughs> it's interesting, but last week his book was released. It's called As You Grow. It centers on a character known as Sky Tree who grows and becomes a protector of Freedom Island, and it's all about traditional values and faith. And the, in the end, it does make an appeal to faith uh, in Christ. But this book is all of a sudden is okay. And in the shadow of a lawsuit, 
these libraries are saying, yeah, let's book him. So he's booked in a couple of libraries now. And I saw that as a real, a real win. He's going to be, uh, Friday, December 30th. He's going to be in Scarsdale, uh, public library in, Ma- in Manhattan. And he's going to be in another one on Thursday in Indianapolis. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.